Well, I'm starting a brand new series today, and I'm calling the series, I Promise. I Promise is based upon the fact that it is God who makes the promise. Dale Moody is famous for having say that, said that God never made a promise that was too good to be true. Isn't that an amazing statement? God never made a promise that was too good to be true. I have made some promises in my life, and it's cost me dearly to keep those promises. I have made some promises in my life that I found out I wasn't able to fulfill as hopefully as complete as I thought I could fulfill those promises. And I'm sure you found yourself in that same place. I've made faith promises before and says, Lord, only by trusting in you can I fulfill this promise. And I'm happy to say to you that God has always been true to his word. Herman Lockyer, who wrote a book called All the Promises in the Bible, Lockyer says that there are over 7,500 promises that God makes to his people in the Bible. And when I read that number, I had spent years trying to underline and come up with all the promises that I could find in the Bible, and I was totally and completely stunned, and I recommend that book to you. Altogether, Herman Lockyer says, between the promises that people make to one another There's over 8,000 promises in the Bible. But today, 7,500 promises that God makes, I don't think I'll ever exhaust those promises, do you? And according to what Moody has said, and I believe with all my heart, he never makes a promise that's too good to be true. In 2 Peter chapter 2, excuse me, in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 4, The Bible says, we were also given absolutely terrific promises to pass on to you, your tickets to participation in the life of God after you turned your back on a world corrupted by lust. Now, that's an important phrase right there. Promises made to you, your ticket to a participation in the life of God after you turn your back on a world corrupted by lust. I don't have a lot of time to go into it this morning, but let me point out six things about the promises of God in the Bible, and and I'd be happy to talk to you more about these later, but I'm going to be covering these through the series. Number one, never forget it's God that makes the promise that we're going to be looking at in this series of messages. I don't make the promise. God makes the promise. Now, I can make the promise based upon what God has said, but God is the one that makes the promise and fulfills the promise. Number two, You are an heir of the promise. If you've turned your back on this world and like these that were baptized this morning, you're following Jesus Christ, then you become an heir of that promise. And we all understand what heirs are. They belong to you. Number three, the promises have substance to them. They're not spiritual. They're not ethereal. They're not misty. But they are more solid than this three-dimensional world that we live in. For we truly live not in a three-dimensional world, but in a four-dimensional world, and that fourth dimension being the realm of the Spirit by which everything that you see in this three-dimensional world came from that God spoke into existence. So the promises of God have substance. Number four, there are covenant promises. And a covenant promise is one like we looked at last week in our message on covenantal marriage. And by the way, I just want to say thank you. I have heard from so many men and women 
about that message and understanding covenant. People have told me I never understood marriage like that before and what covenant was. And if you remember, in a covenant marriage, the vows that I made to Becky, they were all one-sided. It had nothing to do with what Becky did or didn't do that, had my, that involved my vows. It were one-sided. I pledged, I vowed, I made a covenant to be faithful to her and her to be faithful to me. But then there are conditional promises that God makes. We're going to be looking at those in this series as well. And that is that if I meet these conditions, for instance, like tithing, that's one of them. For instance, like confessing my sins, that's another one of them. If I meet certain promises, like showing compassion, if I meet certain conditions of those promises, then I can expect the same thing from God. And the scripture even says that others will pour into our laps. And then number six, I must choose to receive the promise. Now, that's critical because that's the element of faith that comes in, that by faith, I choose to believe God, I choose to trust God, and I choose to receive those promises. The single most important idea in the Bible outside of Jesus Christ dying for our sins, and it's why he died for our sins, is what I want to talk to you about and begin with this morning And that's God's promise of heaven to us. In Luke chapter 23 and verse 43, Jesus spoke to a thief beside him dying on the cross. And he said, I promise you that today you will be in paradise with me. Now, what is paradise? Before Christ died for our sins, death was divided up. Hades was divided up into two places. Jesus told this story about Abraham. And he told the story about the rich man and Lazarus. And in this place of darkness called Hades, the upper level of that, theologians have referred to as paradise, where Jesus was saying that man would join him. Then there was a great gulf, and then there was this lower place of Hades. It was a place of torment for those who were ungodly that had died. And if you remember the story, the poor man was in paradise, and the rich man because of his callousness and his lack of compassion and his sin, he was in this place of torment. Jesus, when he died for our sins, the scripture tells us he descended into hell or he descended into Hades. He went into that place of paradise and he brought those that had died out of paradise because now their sins had been atoned for by his precious blood that was shed upon the cross And he took them into the very presence of God. So they are no longer in that place of paradise or Hades. They're in the presence of God. And the New Testament talks a lot about this. And that will help you understand because there's been a lot of stuff on the internet through doing research and getting ready for this message. And I think the world did not used to be this confused about heaven and hell and what happened after death. But the world is very confused because of the synchronism that people have tried to do with different religions and different philosophies that have confused people. And I hope that's just a very simple way to think about what Jesus did. That's why Paul says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 
The Lord wasn't present in paradise, but when he died for our sins, he went to paradise and he led captivity captive and took them into the presence of the Lord. Can we give him a hand of praise for that? I mean, that's a comforting, powerful truth, thought, and promise. I preached a funeral for a, a godly man this week named Gary. And to be able to share with his son Jonathan and those that were here because Gary loved sharing his faith and loved telling people about Jesus that Gary went right into the presence of God and onto a place of paradise. Now let me read you another episode where Jesus is teaching his disciples when Lazarus was going to die. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, I would have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you'll always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. Now look at our boy Tommy here. No, we don't know, Lord. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus told him, and would you read this with me this morning? I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. Wow. You know the way. You know the way. You know, we don't think often enough about heaven, myself included. And I think I probably think about it more than the average person. I write about it. I dream about it. I pray about it. But I don't think we think enough about it because at times we've been told that to be too heavenly minded makes you no earthly good. I think just the opposite problem is taking place in our culture today. We are so earthly minded, we're no heavenly good. We don't think about eternity and how all of our actions have an impact for eternity. I think it's important that we understand that the Bible says, according to the scriptures, each of us are having a near-death experience this morning. Now look at your neighbor and say, aren't you glad you came to church on Sunday morning to hear that? Each of us are having a near, you're going to get in your car in a few minutes, and you're going to meet oncoming traffic going 60, 70 miles an hour, and you're going to pass within inches of each other, and there are going to be people looking at their phones and texting or grabbing something to eat or drink out of their console, and they're flying at you 70 miles an hour, and so you, I trust me, we're all having a near-death experience today. None of us know tomorrow. None of us have a promise of today. Before this day is over, one of us could be in heaven with Christ or in that place in the presence of God. I love this story. I've told it before, but this man had been under a lot of stress at work. He'd had a heart attack, a lot of things going on. And so the doctor told his wife, says, I'd like to talk to you. And says, if your husband is going to live, you're going to have to get up and make him a healthy breakfast every morning. You're going to have to be sure that when he comes home, he gets a shoulder massage, a foot massage, have his favorite meal sitting on the table, and you're going to have to make love to him at least three or four times a week if your husband is going to recover. She got in the car with her husband, and the husband looked at her and says, well, what did the doctor say? She said, you're going to die. <laughs> we just don't think about heaven enough. We're all having this... We're all having this near-death experience, and I'm glad that we can laugh at this moment because we should be filled with joy when we contemplate being in the presence of Christ. 
Parv, I am so glad to see you back in church this morning after having been sick so long for COVID. Would you welcome our dear sister back into the service today? I have missed you. I have missed your prayers. I've missed my chocolates too, and I am so thankful you're back. If you're going to heaven, Randy Alcorn in that magistral tome that he wrote on heaven, he says if you're going to go to heaven, you should be thinking about it 24-7. And he uses an illustration. He says if, if astronauts were going to Mars, and on the day they got into the, the spaceship to go to Mars, one astronaut looked at the other and says, well, what do you know about Mars? And the other guy says, not much. We'd be absolutely surprised that you didn't prepare. You didn't think about it. And yet that's how a lot of Christians live their lives Jesus warned us about that kind of living, that we're so earthly-minded that we never think about our ultimate destination to where we and our children and our grandchildren would go. What do you look forward to in life? If you're a child, you look forward to Christmas. You look forward to your birthday. You look forward to, if you're a teenager, getting your driver's license. When you're young and in love, you look forward to getting married, and there's so many things you look forward to, but when you plan a vacation, I trust that most of us sit down and we plan our flights, and we plan our hotels, or the way we're going to drive our cars. We plan our camping trips, or you plan your camping trips. We plan our hotels. You just, you go with a plan because you're looking forward to that time with your family. Well, the Bible teaches us two important things about heaven. There is a present heaven, lowercase h, and there is a future heaven, uppercase h. And the reason I want to use lowercase h is because we're those that have died in Christ, your mom, your brother, John's father that passed away this week. I could go on with those recent funerals that, that I just recently preached, eight in the month of December alone. They are in the lowercase heaven. They're in the presence of the Lord. And I know this sounds like a silly commercial on television, but wait, there's more to come because there's going to be a glorious day of resurrection when our bodies are resurrected and they put on immortality and we are not ethereal people. We are body, soul, and spirit in the presence of the Lord. Can we give him another hand of praise this morning? The book of Revelation talks about that, and we'll talk about that more in the future, but I, wanna, I put together some passages here, and I, I put a little footnote in your outline if you have the app that you can look at later, but let me just put together some things that you can read here. Don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and life, and anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And then Jesus' words, I promise you that today you will be with me in paradise. First of all, heaven is a literal place of substance. It's not a misty thing like you might see in Disney World's attractions. 
Jesus says in John 14 too, in my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. Dwelling places. God has prepared a place for you. God has prepared a place in heaven for you. Jesus is there right now preparing that place. When Becky and I have ever moved from wherever we lived in our first little apartment to wherever we've lived, when we've moved out, after everything has been packed up and the movers are taking things away, I've walked through that house. I've stood in our kitchen and just gave God thanks for the meals and how he's been faithful to provide for our needs. I've gone to the dining room or the dining area that may have been in an apartment and gave God thanks for the fellowship that we've had around that table, for guests in our homes, for our children growing up around that table, for the dining room table that we have that uh, I it was my grandparents and that I was able to share with my mom and dad and family that I'd asked Becky to be my wife and they prayed with us. That It just has memories. And then I go into the family room where we've wrestled and we played with the boys and Amy and Christmas trees and I've given God thanks for that. I've walked the hallways, the bathrooms, the bedrooms and just reflected in every place because home is a place and heaven is our eternal home. We are not going to be disembodied spirits floating around, sitting naked on a cloud, strumming a harp like some Renaissance artist played. That would be hell for me. <laughs> Heaven is a place of literal substance. 2 Corinthians 5.8, yet we are fully confident we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. He's talking about lowercase h, being in the presence of God. But what Christ is preparing is a place for you in heaven. God is preparing a place for you in heaven. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. That word is topan in Greek. It's where we get our English word topography from. It's, a, it's used for an abode. It's used for a home. It's used for a castle. It's used for a region. It's used for a place. I love how C.S. Lewis in the last battle, as he describes after the war has been won, and Jewel the unicorn suddenly is resurrected and brought back to life and is there in Narnia. Jewel says, I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I've been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. The reason why we love the old Narnia is that sometimes it looked a little like this. Come further up. Come further in. And beloved... <laughs> Sometimes when I look out at the landscapes when I'm traveling, I look and say, this is just a taste of what heaven is going to be like. Sometimes when my family is all gathered around the Christmas tree and my grandchildren are playing, I go, this is what heaven is going to be like. When I pray with somebody that has given their heart to Jesus Christ, I get this mental image of somebody joining me in the Father's great, great big house where he has a room for every single one of us. Us. This is just a taste of the goodness of God to come. Can we give him another hand of praise today? Hallelujah! 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 Let that grip your soul and let that grip your spirit. 
Moms and dads, as you watched your children being baptized, as you listened to Ashley's testimony this morning, as you saw Bob and Carrie who were saved but wanted to just recommit themselves in baptism, rejoice for God has prepared a place for all of those that love him. Rejoice in that. This is just a taste of things to come. There is a place in Patagonia, and I've been many times, hiked the mountains, sat and prayed, looked out over the vistas. I could show you the pictures. I could show you my very poor drawings. Never wanted to forget it, and I've thought to myself so many times, this is what heaven is going to be like. I'm not a city boy, so whenever I'm in Venice or Rome or New York or Washington or Detroit, I never get that feeling. Perhaps if you're a city person and you love high-rise apartments and you love trains and play, maybe that's where you get, but something about me when I'm out like that or we were hiking with someone in Colorado and we hiked up to this beautiful lake and... They drank all of my water while we were hiking up that lake, and I found myself thirsty, and I'm sitting there at that little fishing pond, and I'm looking out at this, and I'm going, this is what heaven must be like, and I'm going to be able to drink the water of life freely. What does that mean? Jesus is the water of life. There's nobody I enjoy being with better than Becky. There's nobody's hand I'd rather hold. She's the only hand I better hold. But there's nobody I enjoy being with more than her. My children come next. Being here with you this morning, it thrills my soul. But contemplating what we worship this morning, it's like holy water on my skin to be in the presence of God, to drink in the presence of Jesus. If you don't love Jesus, you will not enjoy heaven because Jesus is going to be the focus. Every once in a while, somebody will say to me, why do you like A.W. Tozier so much? Because when I read A.W. Tozier, I'm reading the words of a man that communicates to me that more than anything else, he wants to know God he wants to see God. And as a child, we used to sing, oh, I want to see him. Look upon his face. There to sing forever of his amazing grace. Something in my soul longs for that. Heaven is also a personal promise to God's children. It's a personal promise. When I would make promises to my children, they would get happy. They would get joyful. They knew I was going to keep my promise. When Becky makes a promise to me, it brings happiness to me. And the point I want to make here is not about the promise right now, but it's about the joy. God, look, listen, don't miss this. Because there is a, a philosophy of asceticism that flies in the face of the teachings of the Bible. Some of you were not even sure if you should lift your hands while ago when I gave you a scriptural promise, would you like for God to prosper you? Would you like for God to bless you? Because you have ingrained in the back of you that God wants us poor and hurting and flagellating ourselves. Nothing in the Bible teaches that. God has wired us for joy. God has wired us for such joy 
that nothing in this world can actually fulfill that. I love the words of Augustine, and I had to find it here again real quickly in my notes. Augustine said, it is the decided opinion of all who use their brains that all men desire to be happy. And you will never know joy. You may know taste of joy. You may know glimpses of joy. But you will also experience in this earth what C.S. Lewis described as deep, deep personal pain. And everyone in this building, except perhaps our children, know what it means to experience deep, deep personal hurt, personal pain, loss, betrayal. We've all been there. We've all experienced that. But yet something inside of us, we are wired because God created us to be creatures of his pleasure and for us to find pleasure in him and in one another and in the creation that he gave us. God didn't put us in this place to toy with us. He put us in this place to enjoy it. This earth, this life is a taste of the joys and the happiness. It's a personal promise of life yet to come. Can we give him another hand of praise for that this morning? Our kids would sit on the stairs. They would wake up, beat on the door, wake us up. It's time to get up, especially when they were munchkins. I'd hear their feet coming down the hall. Go back to bed. No, it's Christmas time. My sister was absolutely a nut about Christmas. She would call, waking up, it's Christmas, it's Christmas. Still does it all these years later. Becky would say, go back to bed, and at this time we can all get up. She can be a tough mama sometime. Jesus says, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. God is preparing a place for you now. 1 John 3, 1, see how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is is what we are. Would you look at your neighbor this morning? If you don't know them, just don't do it. Don't be creepy, but look at your neighbor if you know them and go, you are God's child. You're God's child. You are God's child. I'm a child of God. I'm his little boy. Hallelujah. He's got a big, big house, and he's got a personal place of joy and pleasure in the presence of Christ for Becky and I to enjoy forever. Give him another hand of praise. I am so sorry, but yes, praise him. And Jesus, 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 how sweet the name. He is the way to heaven. Dana was having a rough, rough time in that first birth, and of Nolan, and I slipped down to the chapel to pray for her, and somewhat a little concerned, and I went down to the chapel, I carried my bag with me that I had, and after I had spent some time walking and praying in that chapel, and thankfully I was alone, so I could just pour my heart out for her and for the baby, somebody before I had left to go down to North Carolina had given me a book called Heaven is for Real about a little boy named Colton. Maybe you've read the book. But his parents were talking to him one day, and this is a child. He didn't know all these things. Colton had died in the surgery, 
And when he recovered, he kept telling his parents things that they just blew them away and blew everybody else away. So one night his parents says to Colton, did you meet Jesus? Because he was playing with his Legos. And he said, of course. What did he look like? And because he was young, they thought maybe it was just his imagination. And he says, was he like this? And they show him a picture of Jesus from a Bible storybook. He says, nope, didn't look like that. Was he like this? Nope, he didn't look like that. Well, what did he look like that? He had red markers. And again, they thought, red markers. Was he coloring? No, no, it was nothing like that. He had red markers. Everybody knows him by the red markers. They said, what kind of red markers? He said, you know, those right here and here and here and in his feet. That's how you know who Jesus is. Oh, my beloved friends, do you know my Lord and Savior who was crucified with your sins? Do you understand that God was saying to you and to me, I don't want heaven if you're not there with me. Do you know him by the red markers this morning? That's what the Holy Spirit is saying to us today. So Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. And then finally this morning, Jesus invites each of us personally to heaven. He invites us personally to heaven. After the funeral Sunday, or this, earlier this week, someone came to me and said, so-and-so wants you to know who they're meeting with this week. And they were so proud and so grateful for the opportunity to meet with someone very important and influential. And, and I thought about this point in the message there are certain people we're just honored to get an invitation from. We're honored to accept the invitation to. But this morning, there is someone that you can know by the red markers who loves you and who doesn't want heaven without you. And you can know the way. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. And anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Carolyn is not dead. Gary is not dead. They are in the presence of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus looks at everyone. Look at me. Look at me. Jesus looks at every one of us here this morning and you align. And he says these words, do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus Christ made a way for you? That if you do, I'm asking you to accept him this morning. Accept his personal invitation to forgive your sins and to save you and come and make his residence in your heart. And I'm asking those of you who know the Lord and those of you that will give your hearts to Jesus this morning that you will seize every opportunity to serve God. Make every day count. Amy Carmichael, that wonderful missionary to India, said, we shall have all eternity to celebrate the victories, but we're only going to have a few hours before the sun sets to win them. The third thing I would ask you to do with this message this morning is treasure what God treasures. If you've noticed this morning, I've not said a whole lot about the glory of God. I've not said a whole lot about the awesomeness of God. 
but I pointed you to the fact that what God treasures is people like you and me, people that will put their trust and their faith in him, people that he says, without you, heaven will not be complete. And so he willingly gave himself upon the cross, and you will know him by the red markers. I'm asking you not to treasure earthly things, not to treasure buildings and assets, and not to treasure money, not to treasure your education, nor your network of connections, but treasure people this morning. And remember, lost people matter to God. Love and treasure what he does. And then determined today to finish, finish strong. Finish strong. I watched the movie Dunkirk a few years ago. I'd read about the battle. Nothing prepared me for the movie. And the most stirring part of that movie was not the soldiers. It was the evacuation of old men, boys, women who commandeered their little crafts and raced across that channel because those British soldiers mattered to their countrymen. One of the calls that went out was, but if, but if, and those words resonated because it came from the story of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who said, but if God does not deliver us, we still will not bow to your idols. I've seen that kind of courage in the face of the Ukrainian people as they fight for a country they love and for their homes they love. And I have found myself praying for you and for me this week. God, would you give us that same kind of compassion and conviction that lost people matter to you? And then finally, enjoy the journey. Because Jewel the Unicorn was right. This is just preparing us for the taste of heaven that's to come. Can you say amen? Would you stand with me and let me pray with you this morning? Holy Spirit of God, I'm asking you to do something supernatural in our lives. God, I pray that you will break our attachments to the things of this world, to all sense of worldliness. And may we love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And would you birth a vision of heaven in our minds, whether it's mountains or rivers or lakes or cities for some, God, I pray that you will begin to birth a longing for heaven in our hearts so that we can say like the Apostle Paul, I prefer to be away from this body and to be in the presence of the Lord, lowercase heaven, Lord. And so that we are comforted by the fact there will be a resurrection, uppercase heaven. But in these days we live in, I pray over this congregation. I pray over those listening online. What the Apostle John prayed, that we will be in good health and that we will prosper even as our soul prospers, that we might enjoy the journey. And now one more request, my Lord. 
If someone here or online is listening today, and Lord, they've wandered away from their faith, like some said in the baptismal pool this morning, or maybe they've never crossed the line, and today they realize there's a Savior with red markers who reaches out to them and says, come unto me. And if that's you, would you just pray this prayer this morning and say, Lord, as much as I know how, I'm coming to you. I ask you, forgive me of my sins. Thank you for being willing to take my sins and transgressions upon yourself. Thank you for not being satisfied until I cross this line this morning. For your word says you are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to everlasting life. This I pray and ask in Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen. And if you prayed that prayer with me or you prayed it here this morning, would you please let us know? If you're here, fill out a contact card. Leave it at the Connections desk. If you're online, fill out the Connection card right there online and let us know. I have something I'd love to send you tomorrow. Or come see me. I'm going to be right at the back. Come tell me you gave your heart to Jesus. I want to help you get started in your new walk with Christ. Now, according to the word of the Lord, may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, and may he give you a glimpse today of eternity in heaven with him. The Lord bless you. Go in peace. Amen. Amen.